Infinite Option Guide podcast, episode number seven, Adoption Advertising and Networking, an interview with Hal Kaufman of MyAdoptionAdvisor.com. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. My name is Tim Elder. I am your host, and I am so excited to bring you another episode about domestic infant adoption. That is what I'm all about because I am an adoptive daddy. My wife and I adopted a little boy and a little girl, little girl in 2007, a little boy just here in October of 2012. So we do have a busy household, but we love adoption. And um, I just love getting this podcast together for you. It's just a great way to put a voice behind uh, some information about adoption that I bring to you each and every episode. So I'm hoping you enjoy it. I, I think you are by the number of downloads uh, that I'm getting uh, through iTunes and Stitcher and uh, just through the website. So thank you very much for listening. And if you do have a minute, I would appreciate if you go to iTunes and uh, just put in an honest review about what you think uh, about the episodes and uh, if subscribe to the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'll put the link in the no- show notes for you too if you uh, want a quick way to get there. I just want to say real quick before we get into the interview, uh, I just had a great time this week. I was able to, uh, honored really, to be on a, a webinar, an, an adoption webinar uh, about domestic adoption through Lifetime Adoption Center. And I was on there with uh, Libby Murray and Kim King from Lifetime. And we had a bunch of folks uh, that are either looking into adoption or have already started the process. And so we just, I was just able to share my story, both stories really. And uh, just share some tips and experiences and things that we did as we went through our adoption process and just share my story as an adoptive dad right before Father's Day. And so it was really an honor to do that. I invite you to go listen to it. There's a recording on their website, which is called adoptionteleconference.com. And I'll put the link in the show notes at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash zero zero seven. So I invite you to go check that out uh, if you're interested in my story. Um, it's always interesting listening to uh, people's stories, so I invite you to go check that out. Anyway, I'm really excited about my talk with Hal Kaufman. He's a, a great guy here uh, in the Midwest. He's from Minnesota. He's had his website since 2008, and he does a great job sharing tips and uh, resources and a lot of good information about domestic infant adoption. So let's get into that interview with Hal. Okay, everybody, I have on the line with me today, Hal Kaufman, the founder and CEO of MyAdoptionAdvisor.com. Hal helps families adopt quicker and safer through his training and consulting programs. He specializes in creating adoption profiles, websites, and as well as adoption networking and advertising to help families find potential birth mothers and get through the process uh, more successfully and faster with less risk which is all of what we're about here at Infant Adoption Guide. So welcome to the podcast. Excuse me. Welcome to the podcast. Hal, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. <clears throat> I've been looking at your website uh, through all my research over the last several years anyway. I've, I've noticed your website and what you've done. And adoption consulting is really <clears throat> interesting to me because it helps people, I think, lessen the overwhelm of what's going on in the, in the infant adoption world. So I, it's really intriguing to look at your site and see what you provide families. So, And it's really cool that you're an adoptive dad of, of 
two little boys. So I really would appreciate if you could just start off with that. If you want to just tell us quickly about your adoption story of your two boys. Sure. Like I, uh, I told you a week or so ago when we first started talking about this, us adoptive dads need to stick together, right? Absolutely. So our adoption story uh, starts like a lot of other families' adoption stories, which is infertility. And not everyone goes through infertility before they come to adoption, but a lot of people do. And my wife and I did, unfortunately. Through the course of three years, we did five IUIs and four IVFs, and we had some miscarriages and ectopic pregnancy and chemical pregnancy and a bunch of other things I wouldn't wish on anybody. But it's part of our adoption story, even though it happened before the adoption story. And it's important, I think, because a lot of people, as I said, come to adoption through infertility. And that experience, in my opinion, hurts them oftentimes when they get to adoption. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit later. But nonetheless, we went through infertility. And then we decided to build our family through adoption. We worked with a local adoption agency We considered international adoption in different countries, ultimately chose to do a domestic infant adoption program, and we successfully adopted in 2005 and then again in 2007, so our kids right now are six and eight years old. We matched very quickly in both adoptions, four months from the time we were approved to adopt to the time we had a match, very fortunate. You know, I always say, you know, if we were to adopt a third time, it might have taken four years instead of four months. I mean... Who knows? There's a lot of things that need to come together in the right way at the right time for this to work. Um, But right now, you know, we enjoy and always have really wonderful, open relationships with our kids' birth families. Um, Just last night, our youngest had a soccer game and his birth mother came and and watched and it was just nice. Um, We introduced her to some of our friends and, you know, every probably four months or so, three or four times a year, we get together with each of our kids' birth families, um, usually at our house, sometimes at a restaurant, hang out for a couple hours, catch up, and it's just been uh, a, a wonderful, beautiful thing. We couldn't be happier with, with everything. That's awesome. So both the birth parents or birth mothers of both your sons are local to you? Yes, the birth families are local. For our oldest, we um, have seen... The, his birth mother and birth father multiple times. We haven't seen his birth father for a little bit, but hopefully that'll um, that'll change in the future. And then we see her mom on really all visits. And then for our youngest, we see his birth mother and her parents and her siblings sometimes, you know, kind of changes visit to visit. Um, so it's more than just the birth mother. Um, that's why I use the term birth families. But um, but it's been, it, again, it's been great, great, great experience. Awesome. Yeah, that is that is good to know. I, I think a lot of people coming into the domestic infant adoption world are, and I was no <clears throat> exception to this, we were pretty scared of open adoption and what that meant. And we were, we didn't really, did we have to have a relationship? You know, <laughs> we, we really were kind of ignorant, I guess, of really what open adoption means and uh, the good things that can come out of it. And I know there are some stories out there that are that people have really a lot of problems with uh, birth parents and, and things like that. So I, I agree with you that you're fortunate, but it also comes down to how you, the, the match and how you develop that relationship with your birth parents. So you guys started that. Did you have a long match time? Did you start that relationship and build it over time or how did that come about? Yeah, it's different for every situation. So for our oldest, we met his birth parents, his birth mother and birth father, 
several months before he was born. So we had a chance to build a relationship before our son was even born, which was really nice. That time was really important. It helped kind of jumpstart our relationship, if you will. Um, for our youngest, we met his birth mother just a few weeks before he was born. He was actually born early, so didn't have a lot of time. And uh, But we continue to see everyone pretty much the same amount of time afterwards. And so every relationship's different, and you know, there's kind of an ebb and flow just like any other relationship. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how it's worked out for us. Did you purposely seek uh, birth parents that were in your state, or does that just happen to be how it worked out? That is mostly how it worked out. So we signed up with an agency, and so the agency tends to network locally. So, you know, the folks in their book are local Minnesota families. That's where I live. And the people who come in and seek pregnancy counseling and some of whom choose adoption will go through that book, and those folks are typically local as well. But we did our own outreach. So we were sending emails to everyone that we knew. You know, this was before Facebook and a bunch of other opportunities that now exist to connect with expectant parents. But we were certainly doing a lot of outreach, and a lot of that was was working for us. Ultimately, our children came via the agency process. But um, we had leads from New York and other countries. I mean, it was, uh, it was really amazing just sending the emails out and having them go out and them go out and them go out and just how powerful that can be. And is that what kind of got you into the idea of, hey, maybe I can help other people do this? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, when we, you know, kind of goes back to the infertility experience I was mentioning that at least for us, by the time we were nearing the end of that process, you know, it's awful. There's so much loss. There's loss of hope, loss of, um, you know, embryos. I mean, there, there's just loss all over the place. And, you know, really by the end, there's not a lot of power, not a lot of control of what's going on. And so when we came to adoption, at some point, I noticed that it was different, that, you know what, we can actually do some things here. We can control some of the aspects of this process that can impact how it goes which was not our experience with infertility. So that was very empowering to me. And so absolutely, my adoption advisor, you know, we are all about empowering families, helping them take a very active role in this process, focusing in the areas that they can control and that have a huge impact on how quickly they'll adopt with the right, um, connect with the right expectant parents. Yeah, and so you've been doing this, uh, you, you opened up this, my adoption advisor, you created it, I guess, in 2008, correct? Yep, that's right. And you've helped literally hundreds of families through your consulting and training and and working with adoption agencies. Can you just talk about a little bit about what kind of services you provide, what what my adoption advisor is and how it can help people? Sure. Uh, well, last year we worked with over 400 families and and that may have been just, you know, families taking one course and I'll talk about the courses in a second, and it, and it may have been them taking courses and profile services and advertising services. You know, it really kind of runs the gamut. So we've, you know, just last year worked with a lot of families, very lucky to be able to do that. The services, products and services that we offer come in basically two categories. Our products are our online courses. So we offer five online on-demand courses. They range in duration from an hour to an hour and 40, 45 minutes or so. And these courses cover topics that often are not 
covered at adoption agencies. So we talk about, we have a course called Understanding the Current Generation of Expectant Parents. So why do people make adoption plans and what's unique about today's generation of expectant parents and why is that important? Um, and it really drives what people might, um, how they might approach their profile as well as their outreach or networking and um, advertising activities. We have a course called the What and How of Adoption Profiles, which is fairly self-explanatory, helping families not just figure out what should I put in my profile, but how do I put it in there? How do I avoid the traps that a lot of families fall into? We have a great, really popular course called Tips for Talking with Expectant Parents. So those first few emails and phone calls and the match meeting and the negotiation of openness and the hospital time, post-placement time, how should adoptive families approach those steps in the process, if you will. And it, it's sort of like an interview prep course where, you know, what questions should you ask? What questions should you have someone ask? When should you ask the questions? What questions are you likely to be asked so you can prepare to answer those questions? That's really what Tips for Talking is all about. We have a course called Adoption Advertising and Networking, a course called Identifying Red Flags and Avoid Adoption Scams. And that's all about, you know, getting out there as safely as you can to spread the word and increase your chances of connecting with expectant parents more quickly. So those are our online courses. Then we have a set of one-on-one -on -one personalized consulting services. So we have services providing feedback on adoption profiles, much more in-depth coaching and graphic design services for profiles. So we'll work with you to get your thoughts on paper. We'll edit your photos. We'll give you tons of feedback in a very iterative fashion to make sure your profile is as strong as it can be. And then we'll do the graphic design work to create a unique, expressive profile that um, is really just beautiful. Then we can turn those profiles into websites. We run online advertising campaigns to drive traffic to those websites. Those are the services and the products that probably comprise 80% of what we offer. Yeah, I see you have... Uh some examples of adoption profiles that you've created and websites and they look they do look beautiful I, they, you've done a great job i think almost anybody that even if you're with an agency or with an attorney currently you can use the services that you provide you can find something in there either through the training or just like you said the feedback from your profile i know when we went through our two processes our two journeys uh, we all the time we're just second guessing our profile is it good enough is it is it pretty enough is it expressive enough does it say what who we really are so and we used our provider our adoption professional to help us to get feedback but i think it would be even better to utilize a service like yours because you can get uh, basically a third party, somebody else with other eyes to look at it and give you some good feedback on what you can change or add or, or make better. Yeah, it, it's nice to have a third set of eyes and, and also a third set of eyes that um, from someone who doesn't know you. So they're really looking at you cold, just like an expectant parent would. They don't know you at all. And so that's also really powerful. I mean, when it, writing these profiles is excruciatingly difficult. <laughs> Um, you know, and it was when my wife and I wrote it, we thought we wrote the best profile and then we handed it to uh, someone who we knew who had adopted um, domestically in our area and she had tons of great feedback for us. Um, so it's not like our profile was perfect from the start. We needed that third set of eyes from someone who didn't know us that well also. Makes a big difference or can. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so I think it's a great service you provide there. I really like on your website how you say my adoption advisor is your partner when it comes to pursuing domestic adoption because through everything you just said, you really are partnering and it helps uh, families at least feel more comfortable and in more control, like you said, of the of the process because you feel so overwhelmed, especially when you're starting. You have no idea where to go, no idea who to help you, and your first thought or your first attention is saying, okay, you got to go with an adoption agency and they're the ones that are going to, the only ones that are going to hold your hand through the whole process. But I see more and more through my research that folks like you can help us. You've been there, you've done it and you've helped so many other people. So it makes sense to work with you to help us. So anyway, I appreciate that. Um, How do families work with you or how do they find out about you? They find out about us in, in a few different ways. So certainly online, you know, if you go and Google adoption advertising help or Google ads for adoption or something like that, you're likely to have my website pop up um, on the first page of Google search results. If you search adoption profiles, other types of things, you know, you're going to see us through that method. Um, we also get a lot of referrals from adoption agencies and adoption attorneys. So they know of me. I have a relationship with them. They'll send families that they think can benefit from our services to us. The vast majority of our clients, however, come from the agency partnerships. So there's that word again, partnerships. So we partner with a lot of agencies, some of those big national agencies that we all know of, as well as, small, as, well as smaller agencies that might just be in, in one state or maybe even just one office in one state. And those agencies have recognized that that adoption has changed, that they need their families to present themselves much better through their profile, and they need help getting that profile in front of expectant parents who are considering adoption. And so the agencies actually require their families to work with us as a part of their program. So when you sign up with Agency X, you know, there's a bunch of requirements. One of them is to take, you know, one of our courses or all of our courses or this package of services. So most of the families we work with come to us through, quote unquote, full service agencies. And uh, that was always surprising to me. I figured, you know, when I started the business, we'd work mostly with families who are pursuing a more private um, adoption. I mean, they're, they're doing everything themselves versus working with an agency. Um, but it has turned out to be the exact opposite. We certainly work with a lot of families who are pursuing a private independent adoption, but most come to us through these full-service agencies that just need help complementing the great services they're already providing. They don't have the resources to do it, so they partner with someone like me. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And I see on your website your Our Partners page where you have all, a bunch of them listed there, Gladney, um, you have the Cradle, um, Adoption Options, Catholic Charities, Adoption Choice. Uh, there's just tons of them on here. So that's very cool that that they are smart enough to go to you and say, hey, how, we know you focus on this. You're specialized in it. Help us help our families. So that's that's a really cool part of your business and the, and the service that you provide adoptive families. Can you, or how do you counsel or prep families when they come to you? I mean, do they call you and you give them a certain consultation uh, time to just figure out where they are and how you can help them? Yeah, absolutely. I'm um, nothing against attorneys, but I, you know, I'm not an attorney. I don't charge by the hour or the minute or 15 minutes or anything like that. Um, 
So it's, it is all about listening. So when I get the initial call, I ask a lot of questions and I listen, you know, where are they in the process? Are they just trying to figure out whether they, whether or not they want to go through the adoption process? Are they debating international versus domestic or are they home study approved and have been in a book for a year and now realize that they need to do something other than just wait for their agency? So, you know, where are they in the process? And then just where are they psychologically, emotionally? Are they angry? Have they been waiting for two years and they feel like their agency's broken a bunch of promises? Um, are they excited and motivated and, and thrilled to be able to take an active role? You know, where are they emotionally? Where are they in the process? And, you know, through that discussion, we kind of figure out, okay, well, what do you really need? What could you do on your own? And what can I help you with, if anything? And so, yeah, we ac- absolutely have those conversations every week um, with different families who are calling and, you know, just trying to figure out what's the best path for them. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good idea that folks, uh, even if they're thinking about um, getting some help or need some empowerment in their own journey, just to give you a call and just figure out where they're at and how you can help them. I mean, who knows? They may, their agency may already be working with you and they don't know it. <laughs> or, or they could maybe work with their agency to have you help them or uh, just do it as, even aside from their agency just to get some more um, traction on their journey. Yep. So how do you, once you get a family signed up and you're, or you're helping them anyway, you've done your consultation with them, you figured out where they are, what, what, where they're in the process, where their head's at and what they need help with. And let's say they are a family that just needs help being presented to expected mothers. They don't feel like they're making very much traction. They're not getting any leads to expectant mothers, how, what's your process for presenting them to expectant mothers? Sure. I'll usually start off asking if I can just check out their profile quickly because, you know, there's a lot, a lot of um, similarities. There's a lot of differences too, but there are a lot of similarities between a job search, looking for a new job and pursuing domestic infant adoption. So in the job search world, you're going to create a resume, and then you're going to have some interviews and find the right match. Well, if your resume isn't very good, all the outreach that you're doing, all the networking that you're doing to get your resume in front of potential hiring managers or HR people, it's not going to do that much good because your resume isn't going to stack up to the other resumes that are out there. So I like to look at a family's profile first just to make sure that there aren't any red flags that are coming at me from that after their profile is is great, then it's about exposure. So a lot of the networking and advertising things we talk about, I mean, again, we have a course called Adoption, Advertising, and Networking. We go through 30 different ideas, and there are plenty more out there. But even of those 30, most of them, 80% of them, are free. The other 20%, most of those are really inexpensive. And they're things families can do on their own. So for the most part, I don't have to do a lot to present families, if you will. They need to do the work, and that work isn't typically that challenging, that difficult, that technically um, you know, challenging, I guess. The one area where we focus on that is very challenging is in the area of online advertising. So after a family has a website, you know, just because you have a website doesn't mean anyone's going to see it. So you need to drive traffic to your website. So we run and I've been doing this for quite a while now, run online advertising campaigns 
So when someone types a search term into Google that we believe expectant parents are likely to search on, the ad for the family might show up on that first page of Google search results screen. So it's a beautiful thing because, you know, they're searching on something we thought they would search on. They see an ad. It's obvious from the ad that it's a family that's looking to adopt. And then they click on the ad to go to the website and see the family's profile. That's a pretty good lead generation source. Um, so that's something we are um, very high on right now and, and enjoy doing and, um, and works. It's, it's challenging. It doesn't work all the time. It can be expensive. Um, but it's an interesting approach in terms of exposure. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to ask you how the internet may have changed the inter the adoption world. And there's a very good example of it. That's a huge thing that, uh, I'm sure a lot of us, uh, adoptive parents or potential adoption, adoptive parents don't know about or had would not clue on how to do. So that's a very interesting way to get presented to expected mothers. Could you give us like maybe one or two other ways that uh, families could get out there and be presented? Sure. I mean, from just a pure networking perspective, again, back to the job search analogy, what's the best way to find a job? Networking through friends and family, past business associates, you know, spreading the word about, you know, what you're looking for. Well, that absolutely works in adoption as well. Just talking to friends and family, we, you know, when my wife and I went through it, we handed out business cards with our toll-free number and website address. Um, you can now use Facebook to spread the word about your adoption plan. So there's tons of networking opportunities. There are also profile registries or listing services that will either link to your website or you sort of duplicate your profile within their templates. And the purpose of these sites is to, again, bring more expectant parents to your profile. So they show up on Google search results. They do their own marketing to try and get expectant parents who are considering adoption to come to their website. And then once on their website, they see, you know, 10, 20, hundreds of profiles of adoptive parents. So again, that's another approach. Um, each approach has their pros and cons. You know, each approach costs something different or some are free, some are hundreds or thousands of dollars. So, you know, it's nice to have options, I guess, is, is the point there. So a lot of the networking stuff is free. You know, you can get 500 business cards for 20, 30 bucks and start handing those out. You can use Facebook for free or you can do online advertising campaigns or sign up with these other services and those cost some more, some more money. Yeah. Do you have any services that you would recommend folks go to? Like, I'm, I know Adoptimist is one of them out there. It, do you have any that you would recommend or that you advise? I tend not to recommend specific services like that or specific agencies or attorneys. That's just not my expertise. I haven't done that research. I'm not comfortable doing that. But I, you know, do tell families, you know, here's some questions to ask. So if you're signed up for one of these registry services, you know, I would want to know if I were doing this, you know, how are you marketing yourselves to potential birth parents? How are they finding you? What of my, you know, $100 or $1,000 or whatever it is, what goes towards marketing? Um, how many, how do you measure your website traffic? How do you know how many people are coming to my page on your website? And how do you know they're expectant parents and not other adoptive parents? Um, so really asking some questions, trying to understand, you know, what the traffic is like, and then obviously understanding what they charge you. And then it's simple math. So if there are two sites out there and one has 
1,000 unique visitors a month and one has 2,000 unique visitors a month and they each cost the same amount of money, you know, all else being equal, assuming they both do similar job getting expectant parents traffic versus just general traffic, I would go with the one with more traffic. So you just have to ask the questions to really understand where is your money going, what kind of marketing are they doing, what kind of traffic do they have, and then what does it cost? All good stuff. Yes, appreciate that. Um, I wanted to ask you too, uh, this thought came into my head here about when we're talking about profiles and websites, um, on both of our adoptions, we created a print profile, we had a website, and then we also had a video. Have you dove, dove into that at all? Or Yes, absolutely. I love the videos. We don't um, help families with videos. We try and focus in the areas that families need the most help in and, and usually can't do on their own. Videos, you know, you can do a, a video, you know, you, you buy a new computer or even an old computer nowadays and they have movie making functionality, you know, a picture montage, background music, captions, that kind of thing is not difficult to do anymore. I'm a huge proponent of the videos, you know, a short, clean video, um, nice music, that kind of thing can absolutely work. You know, when you think, again, we have a course called Understanding the Current Generation of Expectant Parents, today's expectant parents, you know, teens, 20s, early 30s, they don't like to read. I mean, none of us, frankly, like to read anymore. <laughs> you know, short attention span, multitaskers. Yeah. I mean, if we, if, if you or I, Tim, even go to a website and there's an opportunity to click on a video, it's hard not to click. That is true. I would much rather click on a video, sit back and be told and entertained versus having to work to read. And that's even more true for today's generation of expectant parents. So videos not only complement what exists in the printed profile, but it's likely to get more attention than the printed profile. And if the video is good and enticing and interesting, then they might commit to going back to your website and reading the text more. So it, uh, I think videos can be a, a great tool. That's exactly what happened in our both of our cases, actually. We, we did videos on both, and both were short, like three to five minutes. And, yep. and in both cases, our birth parents just were... Uh, that's what they focused on. They watched the video over and over and over again. And yeah, they went back and read some things on us and looked at some pictures. But for the most part, they could tell who more of who we were by watching the video and getting a, just a, and that's as close as you can get of sitting in face to face with somebody uh, without actually doing it. I mean, other than maybe Skype, <laughs> but you, video is uh, such a, I think a crucial way of reaching out and connecting at least with that initial connection uh, with the, potential birth parents. So I totally yeah. agree with you. The, the other thing about videos, you know, if you post a video on YouTube, let's not forget, you know, I mean, YouTube is the second most popular search engine to Google. I mean, that's where searches occur. Google is number one. YouTube is number two. And oh, by the way, Google owns YouTube. So, you know, from a search engine optimization perspective, from traffic, from where are people doing searches? I mean, if you go to YouTube and you do a search on adoption profiles, you'll see tons of videos. Um, and I guarantee you people are doing that. So, yeah, you can have it on your website and kind of embed it in your website, but to be on YouTube and to have that working for you in the Google world that we all exist in can be, um, can be very powerful. Awesome, yeah. Well, I wanted to, to ask you all as well, before we wrap this up, I want to make sure we talk about adoption scams and fraud because I know... It, it scares people. It scared me when we were starting about uh, you hear some of these horror stories about 
um, potential birth mothers that are not really birth mothers at all. They're scamming people or frauding people, not not just for money, but sometimes an emotional uh, scam or fraud, which is even scarier. So when folks are coming to you or they're doing their own adoption, or even if they're in with an agency, the potential's out there to get scammed or have fraud happen. So how do you, I know you have programs on it, you have training on it. Um, can you just talk about that real quick and maybe give us a few tips on how to avoid it? Sure. You know, and this is one of the downsides of the internet. I mean, the internet, and this isn't just adoption, this is anything, I'm sure. The internet really, you know, speeds up the transfer of information, easy access. There's no boundaries anymore. This is very empowering for everyone, including those who want to scam other people, whether they're the elderly, you know, really young people, you know, wealthy people, poor people. I mean, you name it. There are people out there who can use the internet for their illegal benefit. And adoption is just like everything else. So yes, there are people out there and you hit on the, on the two types of scams, financial and emotional. You know, the financial, they're after money. The emotional, they're after attention and love. And they, they just want someone to pay attention to them. And um, it's tough for adoptive parents because, you know, first of all, a lot of adoptive parents aren't trained in this area. They're not aware or astute enough to kind of be wary of the red flags. And also, you know, God bless them. They, they just want so much. I mean, we all did so much to have something work out for them and to build their family and to become parents or to become parents again, that that opens them up a little bit to being taken advantage of by someone who wants to do that. So it's, it's something to be careful of. Um, a couple tips for people. You know, again, we focus a lot on outreach, doing networking and advertising. And I'm very clear that when you are doing outreach, you should be working even more closely with your agency and attorney. So it's not that you're out on your own, just the opposite. You need to be more connected with them because when you connect with expectant parents, you want them to have counseling. You want to make sure they're real, you know, that things are legit. I mean, there's a lot of things you want to have happen for the benefit of everybody involved and your agency and attorney can help you with that. So work very closely with your adoption team, even as you do your own outreach. The other, you know, couple important tips, you know, for the financial scammers, they want money, so don't send them money. Um, if someone, you know, until you have, you know, or until you're really sure what's going on, you know, I wouldn't send them money. And frankly, I wouldn't send them cash anyway. Maybe a, a Kohl's discount card. Maybe, you know, if they need help with rent, you pay the landlord, and all of this should be processed through your agency or attorney as well. Um, so there are ways to kind of help the expectant parents in ways that are legal, and you want to work with an agency or an attorney to make sure you are compensating them in a legal way. No one pays for babies in this country. This is all about providing legitimate reimbursement of expenses that can be reimbursed through that particular state's adoption laws. So you need to know the law. Don't send cash, but you can pay the supplier directly. You can pay the physician, the clinic directly for medical checkups and that kind of thing. Um, and get real proof of pregnancy. That, that's kind of the number one thing. You know, sending, you know, an expectant parent sending you an ultrasound image and a description of their doctor's appointment is not proof of pregnancy. I can go on to Google Images and go grab an ultrasound image and doctor it up in about two seconds I can go Google, you know, what's a typical, you know, OB appointment at eight months like? 
and start writing up a story and sending an email and it sounds and looks completely legitimate, that person may be a man, I mean, or a woman who's not pregnant. I mean, who knows? So you want real proof of pregnancy from a physician, a letter, you want to follow up with a phone call. And, you know, some expectant parents may balk at that, may say, you know, hey, I, you know, you might not hear from them again after you ask. In my opinion, maybe they are trying to scam you or they're not a good match for you anyway. Because if someone's really experiencing an unplanned pregnancy, legitimately considering adoption, what's the issue with providing proof of pregnancy? How are your doctor's appointments going? You know, of course I can help you with some expenses. You know, let me get in touch with your landlord. You know, those are very legitimate things to be asking. So if the person really has big issues with that, some, you know, it's a red flag. It doesn't mean that they're scamming you, but it's something you should be aware of. Absolutely. Great tips. Thank you for sharing those. I think that will help uh, anybody listening to this uh, if you don't already know that. Um, what are some, uh, maybe three or four, or you pick the number, how many top tips would you give our uh, prospective adoptive parents listening to this? so they could have a fast and successful domestic infant adoption? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to answer that question. I mean, I would say for us, you know, my adoption advisor is all about empowerment. I want to focus in the areas that you can control and that can have a huge impact on how quickly you get through this process, and not just speed, but also matching with the right expectant parents. And in my opinion, those three keys are understanding expectant parents, creating a phenomenal adoption profile that competes well nationwide because expectant parents are online looking at profiles nationwide. And then, you know, exposure, 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 getting that profile in front of as many potential birth parents as you possibly can through whatever means you can think of and can afford and are comfortable with. So, you know, that's what I'd say are the three keys to this process are is understanding expectant parents, creating a great profile, and outreach, networking, and advertising. Yeah, I totally agree. How, how many birth parents would you estimate? I, I know there's, I doubt there's any statistics on it. Maybe I should look that up. But how many would you say in this day and age find uh, adoptive parents through the Internet? Yeah, I, I, I don't know a number, but I have to believe it's a large percentage. I mean, there's still... People without smartphones or access to computers, and they're they're looking at ads and papers, and and that still works in some geographies and for some people for sure. But you know, I've heard too many stories. I've read too many articles and research papers about you know even people who are really poor, living in poverty, can't afford to put food on the table, yet for some reason have a smartphone and are accessing the internet, and that's kind of their that's their that's their thing, and and so. I think a lot of them are on the internet. I mean, I know some of the agencies we work with, the vast majority of the expectant parents who walk in the door for counseling have already selected the adoptive parents. And it's maybe from that agency's website, but it's still that the adoptive parents are online. And so for that particular agency that I'm thinking about, you know, for the adopting parents who never got online, still aren't online, they're going to wait longer. They are waiting longer. There's a big challenge with those folks because fewer expectant parents are looking at them because they've already connected with adoptive parents before they walk in the agency. So you, you need to be online these days. And you don't, a lot of people are concerned about being online from a privacy perspective. There should be no identifying information connected with your website. 
not who purchased the website and getting it that way, not through the text or photos of the website either. So, you know, you can be online having your adoption website without sharing any identifying information. And so you need to be smart about it, but, you know, it's certainly possible and that's what you should do. Yeah, very good point. Uh, the privacy thing is becoming bigger and bigger. The more information that's out there on the Internet, I think it scares some people into not wanting to do things on the Internet. But you're absolutely right. You can make it with non-identifiable information and still get you out there of who you are. So good points. Oh, well, I wanted to wrap up. I really appreciate your time. And you gave a lot of great information so far. And one more thing I just wanted to ask you is what are the top two or three reasons that adoptive parents should come to you? I know we've talked about this, I guess, almost throughout the whole interview, but can you just give us maybe the top two or three reasons why uh, somebody just starting out in the process or maybe they are frustrated and they have not gotten anywhere in their adoption journey, why should they come to you and, and get some help? Yeah, I mean, I'm not right for everybody. So, you know, I'm a Midwesterner at heart. It's hard for me to kind of toot my own horn here. But, but um, you know, I encourage people to, to call me to visit our website. We have tons of free information on our website. I mean, you'll learn something. It's worth 10 minutes browsing the website. It's worth a 10-minute phone call if you want to talk and see if it makes sense, see if we connect with each other. Um, it's a small time investment to make and something that could pay off nicely. Um, but you know, we have a lot of experience. So we've been doing this for a number of years now. Um, I, I think one of the biggest things I'm proud of is the number of agencies, well-known, full-service adoption agencies who require their families to do something with us. I think, you know, that's more powerful than whatever I might be able to say. And I'm really appreciative of those agencies um, and work hard every single day trying to continue to earn the trust of those great agencies that are working so hard for their family. So, you know, come to our website, give me a call anytime. I'm, I'm happy to, for free, just kind of talk and offer some advice and see if there's something, some way we can help. Or maybe I know other resources that could be a better fit. Sometimes I do that uh, as well and suggest they work with somebody else if, if I'm not a good fit. So I, I think that's how I would answer that question. Yeah, excellent. I I really like your website. You do have a lot of information on there that is free that uh, people can go there and learn a lot about just infant adoption in general before they even call you and ask additional questions. So I encourage people to go do that. It's a good resource. So how would people get a hold of you? What's the best way? Well, you can visit our website, www.myadoptionadvisor.com. You can email me directly at hal, H-A-L, at myadoptionadvisor.com. You can give me a call, 612-801-6896. That's my cell phone, my work phone. Um, I will return calls very quickly. I return emails very quickly. So those are probably the best ways to reach me. Excellent. I'll have all those links, including your email address, your website, uh, various spots on your website, uh, all on the show notes for this episode at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash zero zero seven because this is episode seven. And uh, I re Hal, I really appreciate your time. Uh, you are an, uh, an adoptive dad that's doing great work in the adoption world, so I applaud you for that. And uh, there's not very many adoptive daddies out there uh, with a voice, 
in the adoption world. So uh, you stand out uh, among them. And so I'm, I'm really happy to have the opportunity to interview you here and give all the folks the great information that you have to offer. So I hope everybody can go over to your website, myadoptionadvisor.com. Give Hal a call. I, I know he can help you. Um, even if he can't, he'll at least he'll tell you that he's an honest, upfront guy. So thanks, Hal. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Tim. Nick, thanks for all the work you're doing as well. It's, uh, it's really important work. Very good. Thanks a lot, Hal. We'll talk to you soon. All righty. Okay, bye-bye. That was a great interview with Hal Kaufman of My Adoption Advisor. I invite you to go check out his website. Uh, he has a lot of great information. And I will put uh, links that we discussed in the show notes at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 007. So all the links will be there, including how you can contact him, his phone number and email address, and also how you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Really easy to do uh, if you go there and you can subscribe pretty easily. So thanks again for listening. I will talk to you again on the next episode of the Infant Adoption Guide Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.